Welcome to the LNT Chat Show, and today my guest is Jose Guns. Uh, Jose, would you like to tell the audience something about yourself? Um, so I'm a lecturer at the University of Bristol. Um, I'm pathway three, which means that I am teaching only, so I don't have to worry about um, splitting my time between teaching and research. And I've just come to absolutely love teaching and try and do a good job of it, really, I guess. Okay, what what subject do you teach? Maths. Ah, um, okay, hardcore. Uh, oh, I, I'm definitely not a numbers person. And and kind of uh, what what led you into this? I mean, did you just do a degree and and kind of decide that you wanted to stay in academia, or was there something else that that was an impetus for you? Um, so I always knew I wanted to be a professional mathematician, um, even before I knew what a professional mathematician was. So kind of, I wasn't sure what that was until I was an undergrad. So obviously I had to do a maths degree to become a professional mathematician, but beyond that, I wasn't sure until I was an undergrad and I was kind of watching my lecturer write on the board and I just went, that's a professional mathematician. That's what I want to do when I grow up. After do you specialise in a particular area of maths? So my PhD was in number theory, um, which is studying kind of how numbers are made up and density of prime numbers and complex numbers and all that jazz. Um, but because I'm teaching only now, I don't remember that much cutting edge research in that area and I'd have to go back and do a lot of research to get caught back up into that. OK, and and the people you're teaching, are they generally on maths degrees or are you teaching maths as part of um, other science programmes? Um, so it's a mix of maths degrees, um, joint honours maths with pretty much anything, philosophy, data science, modern languages, I don't know what else. Um, I'm predominantly teaching first and second year undergrads, so kind of like the basics almost. Okay, and uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, stuff that you do in tutorials. These are subject-based tutorials yeah could you could you just explain a little bit how the how the tutorials actually work yep so tutorials are nine to twelve students um by the end of term that might be down to as low as four in some cases um they're fortnightly tutorials so it's the same group of students with me in charge nominally um fortnightly tutorials the lecturer is somebody else and they will have given either a tutorial sheet to discuss or homework questions to discuss. I'm also the person who marks their homework, so there's that level of interaction as well. So I do get to know the students over the course of the term. Could you um, just because that sounds a lot like um, what in my institution would be a, a seminar. So are there seminars as well? And if there are, is there a distinction between what happens in the seminar and what happens in the tutorial? It used to be that second year students would have seminars and they are weekly sessions with more students so that was typically up to 30 students um then that was changed and they were called second year tutorials instead so it's really just a delightful thing of words meaning different things at different institutions and so what would the what would the normal um sort of content of of one of your tutorials be Pretty much whatever I feel is more necessary. So a mix of 
discussing the previous homework perhaps or discussing the homework that's going to be due in in a couple of days some most lecturers will also include a tutorial sheet so kind of um questions that they think it would be particularly helpful for students to talk about um i try to get the students talking amongst themselves which is a lot easier said than done they dislike talking so it's, i try to not let it be me standing on at the blackboard talking the whole time instead kind of right. get them to interact with each other and me as well and are there particular things or particular techniques that you use to, to try and encourage them to engage this stupid question time was kind of a result of the fact that students don't seem to want to ask questions in the last 10 minutes or so of the tutorial i'll go this is explicitly stupid question time so in the first the tutorial when i'm standing up introducing myself talking about the structure of the sessions i'll go kind of like you know like at the end last 10 minutes we're going to have stupid question time it's explicitly for you guys to ask the questions that you've got to start going around your head because you can't figure out what the answer is and you obviously you need to know what the answer is but you're kind of sat there going i don't want to ask because it's a really stupid question and just warning the students about that at the start of the term just means that kind of they're not blindsided by me going right who's got a stupid question that's a really weird okay. question to ask students but then in the last 10 minutes i'll just go right 10 minutes left we're going to stop whatever we're doing bring it to a sensible stopping point we can carry on with that if you want to but equally last 10 minutes has anyone got anything that they think constitutes a stupid question and how do they ask that is that just uh they verbalize it or do they write it down um they verbalize it so i haven't had anyone that's gone i haven't had anyone do a, i don't want to ask a stupid question at this point sometimes i've had tutorial groups that just don't have questions some tutorial groups i've had to open it up for kind of 20 minutes even 30 minutes in some instances to ask stupid questions because that's when they feel more comfortable asking questions and we've had all sorts so the tutorial i had today actually a student was asking about an exam question that was in their exam that they just had just the start of uh, second term now um i've also had students go when do the quizzes start which was a really timely question because the answer was that the quiz was already live and was going to finish the next day. Uh, someone was asking about why the cross product. So there's this mathematical thing that holds in three and seven dimensions. And someone was going, what's special about three and seven? And the answer was, I don't know. So that's clearly right. not a stupid question. And do you find that they're questions that are relatively easy for you to answer? I mean, are they because it sounded like there's there's quite a lot of process questions in there. So we, we do get a lot of questions you'll ask about you know, what am I supposed to include? When is this supposed to be in? What do I need to think about? Or are they, do they ever stray beyond the, the subject matter that you're covering at that particular time? Um, no, which I guess is really a good thing because if they did ask something that was completely out there, I could well not know how to answer. Does it tend to be it's it's you that provides the answer or, or do sometimes the other the other students chip in? No, quite often the other students chip in um, for the quiz. That was really helpful because I'm not involved with the quizzes for the lecture. Right. And so I didn't actually know the answer to that one. But they are typically questions that either I know or I'll be able to go. That's the sort of thing your lecturer would be able to answer. Okay. Go ask your lecturer. You said originally that this was because students tended to not engage. Was it that they were not engaging or that they weren't asking questions that it then later turned out that, that they really did need to ask? I don't know, like it was difficult to get them to engage. So if I asked a question, they would answer typically um, or at least kind of half the group were happy to answer questions, which is probably about normal, I would imagine. But like if I did, a, would you want to talk about A or B? 
that nobody particularly wanted to right. answer that. It's, it's, I'm, I'm guessing that there'll be a lot of colleagues who have that experience of one very quick way to get silence is actually just to ask a general question. Um, and then the sort of coda to that is that you will then get some students who will answer. But what tends to happen is that there are often only the, the sort of same two or three students that are answering. And then sort of the, you know, the, the thought in your head might be, well, I don't know if the others are understanding or if, if maybe you know, they're lost in all of this or they're distracted by something else. Was there a particular thing that prompted the idea for having the uh, stupid question segment? Was it something you'd seen somewhere else or did, did you just have an epiphany and um, it pop into your head that this might be a, a, a you know a good way of going about it? Yeah, um, I guess kind of an epiphany. So I was worried about kind of the students not saying anything. And like, I don't want, I didn't want to do anything to kind of force the students to say anything. And it just seemed to me that students either didn't have anything they particularly wanted to say or students felt like they couldn't say it. And there's nothing much to be done. If students don't have anything to say, then they're just not going to say anything. That's OK. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be the sort of person that goes around going, you've got to have an opinion on everything. You've got to come out and talk kind of thing. But if they didn't want to say whatever it was they were worried about or kind of had questions about, then that was something I could hopefully do something about. I don't think I read about it anywhere, but I mean, I've read so many educational things that I've forgotten half of them. So it just seemed like it was a good way to kind of have a safe space for them to kind of maybe come out of their proverbial shell and go, actually, you know what, maybe it is OK to ask what I think is a really stupid question. OK, um, and, and how long have, how long have you been uh, using this particular uh, approach? Great question. Um, quite a while now, I guess. It wasn't very successful online during COVID and like it was a pre-COVID thing that I came out with probably in my second year so the 2018-2019 academic year probably was there a particular reason why it didn't because I, I i in my head i could imagine it actually working slightly better when students are online because they're they're less aware even of the other students who are in the virtual room but do, do you think there was a particular reason why it didn't seem to work as well uh, when everybody was on, online so there was a lot I felt a lot more disconnected from the students like a lot of them didn't have their cameras on which is you know completely fine there's no need to but what that did mean was that I couldn't walk around the room looking over everyone's shoulder to see what yeah. they were writing kind of thing so it felt a lot more stilted and a lot more formal and that doesn't really lend itself to being informally enough to go this is a really stupid question but I'm going to answer it ask it anyway kind of thing okay so there was probably an element of I felt more stilted and more awkward and therefore the students felt more stilted and more awkward feeding off me as well as however awkward they felt about it. And then just the usual things of let's just zone out of this session that we're teaching because it's online and Zoom fatigue and all that jazz. So um, have do the students because presumably if you do this with the same students over a period of time, do they they get more comfortable? Does it get easier? Do they ask more questions or do they ask um, better questions in that in those last 10 minutes as the, the term or the year progresses? Sometimes. So there's a lot of variability between tutorials, like more than I would expect. So some tutorials 
I've gone from having it at the end to having it at the beginning and quite often we won't get off stupid questions. So like some tutorials after a few weeks of that, they'll have got the hang of if you ask me questions, I will answer questions and we can spend the whole time talking about whatever it is you guys would feel is most beneficial. Other classes I'll keep asking and I won't get any questions then. It is something I feel is important enough to keep asking even if I don't get questions. Um, like I feel like potentially they do ask more questions during the rest of the session anyway. And so they don't have anything they would feel has to wait for that time. But that just means that kind of I will ask that and then have another five or eight minutes to talk about something else anyway. Because I'll still ask and wait to see if anyone says anything. But if they don't, we can go back and talk about anything else, really. Are there other things you want to try out in your sessions or other things, in fact, that you have tried that that you think have worked particularly well? Because obviously I can imagine in in something which is an, an apologies, you can correct me if if I'm not terming this in the right way, but in, in a subject that's quite abstract, because I I teach um, marketing. So the, the thing that makes my life easier is that I can just uh, get people to talk about their own purchases. So it's, it's very easy for them to talk because they're, they're just reflecting on something that they personally have done. Whereas I imagine that there's sort of maths is, is going to be quite an abstract idea, you know, much like I don't know something like music theory. Are there things that you do to encourage the students or is is that not an issue? I think that like your question doesn't necessarily make that much sense to me. So I guess that is kind of a complete subject disconnect. But like different tutorials have to be handled in different ways and kind of some tutorials prefer it if we kind of have a whole group discussion. And I'm kind of at the board writing things down, kind of writing down what the students tell me to write down or kind of writing the answer down after we've talked about how to get there kind of thing. Other groups prefer to kind of talk in groups, small groups of two or three and then come together to discuss the answer and if anyone's made a mistake, etc. So different groups have to be handled in different ways. Another trick I like doing is kind of if they are talking in small groups, I'll kind of walk around and look over all their shoulders to see what they're writing to kind of check on how they're doing and things. But it's very much kind of a different tutorial groups need to be taught right. in different ways. Is that something which it's about you reading the room or is it just you, you experiment a little bit and then you see what kind of thing um, works best I'm, I'm trying to sort of imagine how you you know the easiest thing to do is always to follow a, a kind of formula but if you're if you're going to amend that formula depending on you know what what the students prefer or how they seem to interact is that something that you kind of guide them through or, or is it just you, you stand there and and you get a sense of what what they're enjoying um sense of what they're enjoying um i might kind of ask a question to the whole room and that will kind of tell me immediately if anyone's prepared to just go yes this is the answer or kind of right. verbalize a stream of consciousness so kind of if there's a really bright student that's gonna not cause issues but kind of always jump in with all the answers and you kind of need to tone them down kind of thing equally if nobody says anything that's kind of like right okay if you'd prefer to work in small groups to discuss this then go for it and that will get some responses um if the students are early then i'll hand out the tutorial sheets that we're going to be talking about early and some of them will immediately knuckle down and start working on it so again right. it's just kind of like immediately seeing how students interact with the worksheets and me to kind of work out what they want and um, if, if someone else was uh, interested in in using a sort of uh, stupid question segment whether that was at the, the beginning or the end is 
is there something that you've kind of learned from having done this that you would say oh well before you do it you need to think about i mean obviously one of the things which you had highlighted was make sure uh they know in advance that you know this is something you're going to be doing is there is there anything else that you can suggest give it a few weeks or sessions before you got deciding that it doesn't work um so i have mentioned that like i will do it throughout the whole term but like there are some times when kind of if it really doesn't seem to be working then i will just kind of go right anyone got any questions and kind of but like i've had times where people won't ask anything the first time but then the second time they will ask and it does feel like they've kind of waited to the, to the stupid question time to do it so it might be a case of students need, need to get used to it before they'll be comfortable enough to actually say anything obviously do be careful like there is a possibility if someone does ask something that the other students consider stupid that the other students might kind of laugh or anything i wasn't sure how concerned i should be about that but that's just straight up never happened like nobody has laughed at any right. of the questions said it can be a really good way to get the other students talking or kind of like if a student just needs it explaining it in a different way um that can sometimes happen but like the students tend to be really positive about it as well okay um and in terms of um sort of thinking ahead now if, are there things that you're you know as you've been reflecting on what you've been doing you've been thinking okay next year i'd actually like to add this or do this or maybe do something in a in a slightly different way not consciously or kind of formally there are a few of us who are interested in mathematical education and kind of teaching in the best way we can we sit down and talk about things whenever we've got time so if kind of something comes up as a problem that i can't immediately go oh, okay next time i'll try xyz then i can yeah. see what they have to say about it but i don't have any plans for changing how i teach tutorials at this time and and is is there a, a hot topic when it comes to learning and teaching specifically for maths education maybe the big one at least in my institute at the university of bristol at the moment is exams i want to move away from exams and everybody else seems to really like exams for testing maths knowledge okay and would do you have a you know a particular reason for wanting to move away from exams i, I must confess um i uh yeah I, I am not a fan of exams at all you know the, the, I, I don't think they're a particularly good way of, of testing some of the uh, higher level skills and uh, they're not particularly reflective of real life unless you're going into the kind of profession that has professional accreditations that still require you to un undertake exams so uh, I in fact uh, apart from when I've had to because I've picked up a module um that happens to have exams at that particular point in time which i've then had to go on and change um i i've never had exams as as part of a, a module do you have a you know is there a particular reason for yourself uh um yeah they're old-fashioned outdated don't test for the real world and marking them is a nightmare um <laughs> so oh, that's a good summary yeah it's one i it's a speech i've prepared um so I teach the smallest first year module in the autumn term, which means that typically my exam has been the one just before second term starts, the spring term starts. So I yeah. usually mark the exam in the middle of TB2, um, in the middle of the spring term when I'm busy running around trying to teach everything else. And that's just a nightmare. So this year my exam was the first exam, um, which meant that I got all the marking done before spring term started and it was amazing and wonderful and I felt so much better about it 
also marking the same exam 300 times is just really boring. So I put in a two mark question just to go, what was your favourite result from this course? Um, and it just broke up the marking so much better. It just meant that kind of every exam I kind of looked at the last page and went, oh, that's a really cool fact. Like, I'm glad it's your yeah. favourite kind of thing. Um, not everyone got full marks. So, you know, there are people who told me I should just give everyone two marks. And it's like, that's not the point of the question. The point of the question is to stop me going insane. But not everyone got full marks. Some people didn't write anything. Some people got things wrong. But yeah, so moving away from exams, one thing I want to experiment with is fivers, um, kind of like a 20 minute conversation. It means that as soon as a student makes a mistake, you can immediately correct them in real time and kind of that's not going to influence the rest of the conversation, really. I'm in conversation with someone in Cardiff who's used Vivas for maths exams. Um, but really, I kind of want to experiment with all sorts of things, see what's well, available. Um, there, there is a big conversation at the moment uh, because of uh, some stuff that was highlighted in the in the newspapers recently about uh, students using these um, AI services to be able to write essays for them. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how well advanced they are given the nature of the things that we're looking for students to do. And much of it is about either application in a particular area. So it's not just about sort of knowledge and understanding. And then some of it is actually creating novelty. Although um, I've recently been reading about AIs that are you know, creating paintings. And one of the ways around this, of course, is, is to have a Viva because then you just have the student in front of you um, I suspect that one of the reasons why there is a degree of reluctance is where you have large numbers of students, because clearly having to do a viva and seeing each student individually is therefore going to extend the amount of time that you're spending on the examination process. Having said which, you know, we're probably spending dozens and dozens of hours marking written work. Is is that something? I mean, I don't know. Does that does that affect you in maths? Is there an is, is there an algorithm that math students can use to to try and circumvent the the stuff you're asking them to do? So I haven't looked at it in any great detail. I wouldn't be surprised if an algorithm could accurately replicate a first year essay. Like we don't do essays so much in maths. Most of it is kind of can you do this? Can you solve this equation? Yeah. Um. So there is an element of if the student gets the right answer, they absolutely could have copied this result down from somewhere else and we just wouldn't know because they've got the right answer. There's only so many ways you can go about doing it. Yeah. So that is a case against kind of reports. There are some, there is a module that does involve students doing reports um, in first year and they do get scrutinised against Turnitin. Could that be replicated by ChatGPT or whatever it's called? I don't know, quite possibly. Um, it's a fairly long report. The other thing is, is that in maths, we don't use Word. We use a specialist um, typesetting program. So it would be harder to replicate that potentially, I guess. And there's a lot more freedom for kind of verifying that that was written by someone sensible. Like AI art is very much in its infancy. There are yeah. many things you can check to see whether it is actually AI or done by a human. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, that was a really interesting idea. Yeah, I, I think anything that encourages the students to engage um, is, is definitely something uh, worth thinking about um, and potentially having, having a go at. Um, so thank you very much for your time. Cheers.